You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast, making your experience with electronic drums that much easier. Hello and welcome to the eDrum Info podcast. I'm Simon Goose and I'm here with Toby Goodman. Hello, Toby. Hello. And this time we are here to talk about drum modules, the different sorts, how they can help you, how they work, and why they all sound a little bit different. Does that make sense? Makes sense. That's cool. So, uh, first of all, uh, what's a drum module? Okay, so the drum module is the bit you plug the pads into. It's the bit which makes the noise. It's the bit you select your kit on. Um, it's the most useful bit of the kit, really. Yeah, and it's also referred to, I believe, as a brain. Yeah, brain, module, all the same thing. It's the clever part of the kit. All I know is that um, I kind of have a choice between... Two types of brain being um, either having samples in them or, or, or modelled sounds in them. Um, and I suppose we need to get to that in a little bit. Is there anything that you want to talk about in terms of, you know, I'm talking about very much now, what's available now, but obviously there's a massive used market. So, and and there's quite a lot of history around the electronic drum module itself so can you shed any light on that uh okay well th it goes back to the early days of synthesis really if you go back and look at uh robert moog um who was responsible for the the moog synthesizers um i'm not saying it's all down to him other people would be messing around as well but first commercial use was um with the, uh, an early moog moog synthesizer which were massive you know that would fill a whole room and people realized that you could sort of get some pseudo drum sounds out of them and very early on moog moog built a drum pad which you could hit and it would trigger the, the moog synth instead of using a keyboard to trigger it so i'm guessing that's sort of very very early electronic drums so that's modeling isn't it Oh, no, 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 no. Is that um, not modelling? No, that's not modelling. That is uh, early analogue synthesis. So that is resistors, capacitors, all that sort of stuff uh, in a box, uh, hundreds of wires um, making noises. That was really early electronics. It's a craft work, craft work era. That sort of thing, yes. It's, it's sort of, you know, the, the really simple, you know, the, the sort of stuff if you're in the UK, introduction of EastEnders type thing. Yeah, that whole, that whole, you know, the classic boo thing. How <laughs> lovely. Um, that's, that's the classic analogue electronic drum sound. Cool. All right. So, all right. So that's sort of where it was back in the day with lab coats and wires and um, ping pong sounds or whatever. Where else? Where else? Okay. So the, as computer stuff got cheaper, uh, people realised that you could store the the sound of a uh, of a of a instrument uh, on a chip uh, in ones and noughts in digital information. And um, uh, w when you pressed a key or pressed a button, it would play back the sound that was stored in the chip. And uh, the first brilliant, amazing sampler was something called the Fairlight CMI, which was made in Australia, and it was used by only people who could afford them because they were about the same price as a house. Yeah. So the point is, you record this sound, you put it into um, a, a, a keyboard, you know, you record a piano, you put it into a keyboard with no noise in it, and you press the key, and it will play back the sound that's been recorded from the piano. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. So now all we're saying when we're relating it to us as drummers is we're recording a drum 
and we're putting it into this brain bit which is plugged into our electronic pad um, and rather than pressing a piano key we're hitting a uh, large pad uh, or, or much larger than the piano key anyway a pad with a drumstick or a hand and it and it plays back the sound that's been recorded and that's the most simple version of what a sample is and and how that translates to us as electronic drummers exactly um and as the price came down because it used to be incredibly expensive um people realized that you could store drum sounds and drum sounds are nice and short um so you had beginnings of drum machines with uh, sample storage in them and uh, stuff like that. Uh, obviously, the early electronic kits were analog, um, but then gradually people like Simmons would put chips um, into their electronic kits. The SDS-7 is, was amazing for that. Um, and you could have samples. You could have samples of real drum sounds on your electronic drums. It was brilliant. It was a totally new world, and you could sound like other things. So that was when it started translating into the wider world for us lowly drummers. Sure. So I suppose the technology has got to the point now where the technology and the science inside the brain and the pad is such that it'll enable you to produce this this sample with a, a larger dynamic range, i.e. because the quality of sampling has got better and the quality of the technology is, is more advanced. What that essentially means to us is that it feels more human to play. Yeah, well, I mean, what you've got to think about is when you hit a real acoustic drum, every time you hit it, you get a different sound. Whether you hit it lightly, whether you hit yeah. it hard, whether you hit it the same velocity twice, you're going to get a slightly different sound. Yeah. These early electronic kits, they only had one sound stored in them. So you just got the same sound, but just quieter or louder. But that at the time, it was brilliant. And that's what we thought, you know, all our Christmases had come at once. But now what they do is they take lots of samples of the drum being hit lightly, hard, everything in between maybe anything up to sort of 200 levels. And when you hit it lightly, you get the sound of the drum being hit lightly. When you hit it hard, you get the sound of the drum being hit hard and everything else in between. Right, so back in the day, it was literally, here's a replication of this one recorded snare drum sound, and this is a low volume version, this is a high volume version of it. Now it's actually a collection of different recordings assigned to one sample so now if i go and do a sample session as an acoustic drummer and they say right we're going to sample you playing your snare drum mate and i'm going to go all right i'm going to come and play my snare drum i'm not just going to hit it once or twice and leave i'm going to hit it quite a few times uh, you're going to hit it many 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 times i did a sample session for a company a couple of years ago uh, we spent a whole week working eight hour days to record one drum kit oh uh, that was a bit of a joyful yeah that, that was a bit much but you know the results sounded fantastic but you don't appreciate that when you're buying the kit so it's going to be the, the conversation as the as the as the drummer in that in that room is going to be like the engineer is going to go okay right so if you just go slightly to the left on the drum a bit then i'll get a little bit less snare or or whatever and then it's that kind of thing right it's yeah i mean what we did was we um i had to hit the drum as physically lightly as possible um leave it to totally die away in the room then hit it slightly harder let it die away in the room and carry on going until we'd got everything from the quietest hit to the loudest hit uh 
and then do it again, probably about five or six times. And you love it, really? Well, yeah, okay, I do, really. It was quite good. It was good fun. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast. Okay, so that's good. So where are we then? So um, I'm I'm not clear on modelling then. I thought I was, but I'm not. So why don't you clear that up? Okay, modelling is something more recent. um, And what it is, it's a way of uh, recording a sound analyzing it splitting it up into sort of eight different bits the the attack the pitch the decay the uh the tone and everything else uh splitting it up synthesizing each part or maybe just playing a very small sample of it and then putting it back together again um and it's very good because it's very flexible and it also uses very 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 little um memory inside the, the module it, it takes up no space at all um the, the only thing is and this is a purely a personal point of view it never sounds 100 percent realistic if anything it sounds too good it sounds too bright too sparkly it sounds it shouts out of a mix hey look at me i'm a model drum sound mm-hmm. um there's nothing wrong with that and for certain styles of music it's absolutely perfect but for my ears it just doesn't quite work and i can spot it a mile off on 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 records yeah yeah and i and i suppose that's one of that's why as much as i think we're all well not we're all but i i am quite familiar with like the roland sounds on the v drums and stuff they're they're good but i never hear them on records i only hear them yeah on gigs or on shows and stuff and i think by the time people decide to record they take a little bit more time so the only time having said that i'm just talking about the v like the roland stuff i'm just talking about the uh their versions of acoustic drum kits i'm not talking about their versions of their own sounds because their tr808s and 909s etc are completely iconic so you hear those all the time everywhere classic but what what i'm not hearing uh and i don't think you know, I mean, tell me if I'm tell me if I'm wrong, anyone. But I'm not hearing, you know, the version of the Roland brass snare drum that you get on the TD30 anywhere but on a gig where um, they've said, "Can you bring an electronic drum kit, please?" Yeah, uh, it's quite a touchy subject. This because obviously it's Roland using their stuff, and everyone else uses samples. Um, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a difficult one. Uh, I can't. I I'm not really sure what to say here. Uh, they, you don't hear them as often as you might do, seeing as there's many of those kits around. Yeah, I think I think in the position that you and me are in is that we can spot it instantly. I think you know perhaps people with slightly less experience will just go. It doesn't sound quite right, and I'm not quite quite sure why. And I think it's down to the fact that it is too clean. It's so clean, and yet actually that what that translates into from the sound designer's point of view is a really easy drum kit to mix. Absolutely, that's why they use them. Because as we know, you know, you put a put a drum kit on on a gig and it it will sound say you're doing a couple of nights in the same venue, uh that the drum sound will change, you know, throughout the songs, let alone throughout the couple of days that you're in the venue or whatever. So people seem to obviously go to the um particularly the roll and stuff at the moment because of you know the simplicity um in terms of the sound and i suppose that that would be the same with the yamaha and anything else that had that stuff uh obviously going back to 
you know the big benefit of the role and stuff that that I can see is that it's just it's very simple to use in terms of user interface i.e I'm not as much of a geek as you and I'm not really into learning a new system to be able to play the drums so I like a big screen with big buttons that I can, <laughs> I can kind of navigate my way around and I suppose that has been the biggest development for us as users is that people you know all the manufacturers are now getting savvy to that of course I, I kind of feel like Roland with the first but of course everyone's on, on the case now with having a nice big screen for someone who's perhaps not super excited about pressing buttons before they have to play the drums yeah there's a few points you bring up there i mean one about screen size um the screen size is obviously very important and we're all used to having big screens uh so what a lot of companies are doing now is they are doing uh, ipads yeah. version you know editors uh which you can just plug in and obviously that makes sense i mean you know i've got two young sons and the first thing they do when they see a new screen is they go up and just yeah. touch it to see if it's a touch screen because that software that hardware is so natural now in the in the current world yeah. um so if you've got a module and you've got a, an ipad plugged into it and you can edit it on it it makes it so much easier so thankfully the companies are sort of catching up with this and this is where it's going this is just stuff which is sort of translating from other areas of the business like keyboards yeah, they seem to be a little bit ahead of the curve, the keyboard guys, don't they, in terms of the technology? Right, this is a bugbear of mine. It really is. Okay, um, the technology is out there. The, the keyboard guys are ahead of the curve, uh, and it washes down into us drummers. But what really gets me is, for £1,000, you can buy a keyboard that sounds really, really, really close to a piano, <laughs> and pianos are not cheap. But for £1,000, you can't buy something which is really, really, really close to an acoustic drum kit you've got to spend thousands yeah. and thousands and it just doesn't make sense to me it's it seems like we are being slightly taken advantage of uh technology should be so much better but for a thousand pounds we should be able to get so much more yeah but you're talking new so i was going to say unless you buy used yeah absolutely well if you go into stuff which cost maybe five thousand pounds 15 years ago then yes you can get some pretty good results but you have to know what you're looking for in the first place so hopefully that's where this this will help a little bit one of the things that i would hope um that we can get around to is talking a little bit more about what isn't what isn't a good deal on on ebay and and on all the, what, what's going on in the used market because yeah because there's something about a snare drum on a on an ebay page where we can say look Here's a photo, shell's not cracked, heads are crap, but we know that will cost us, you know, $20, $30 to replace or pounds or wherever it is you're from. And and we're good to go. I know I know what I'm dealing with here. And yet you've got the whole anything with like used electronics is is a little bit weird unless you really know. So I'm sure that you're gonna be perfect to tell me, you know, I've got five hundred quid. What should I expect to get? What should I avoid? You know, what should I look for? Okay, well, um, there's a few things here. Uh, what we were saying earlier about uh, you know samples and modelling and all that sort of stuff. Uh, what first turned me on to sort of high-end sampling kits was uh, seeing Ian Thomas um, doing, I think it was Tube Levels 2, something like that, a long time ago. And he was using a, uh, a, a D-Drum 3 kit uh, with real cymbals. And it was the first time I'd seen something where 
it was obviously an electronic kit, but it actually sounded, it, it sounded real. It sounded as close to a real kit as could be you could find at the time now admittedly that was maybe 15 years ago and my ears back then weren't as good as they are now but that was the first time i suddenly saw electronic drums and went actually do you know what Mm. yeah we can actually do something here this 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 actually works do you think i mean and again this is a massive conversation for another time but we are talking about one of the you know the greatest drummers you know one of the greatest drummers as far as i'm concerned so do you think that he he um do you think he adapted his playing style for that for that kit? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Uh, but also, one thing I should point out, as I, as I just mentioned, he, he was using the drums, but he was actually actually using real cymbals. Mm-hmm. Um, and cymbals is an area where I uh, where it's getting there. It's really getting there very very fast, but it's not quite as satisfying to play as a real cymbal. Yeah. But that's one thing that I feel really strongly about. Why don't we use electronic drums but real cymbals? Yeah. Best of both worlds. Change the drum sounds and have beautifully wonderful yeah. cymbals at the same time. Well, that's a, that's definitely another one to add to the list, isn't it? Just talking about symbols and how to deal with those, and uh, when you're using electronics. But that's uh, yeah, wicked. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast. To make your experience with electronic drums effortless, subscribe to eDrumInfo.com. Right. What else? What haven't we covered? Okay, so we talked about sampling, we talked about modelling. Uh, there is also um, virtual analogue, which is something else. Uh, if you know the, the Nord drum, um, if you haven't checked those out, check them out. The Nord drum uses digital electronics to replicate what old transistors and capacitors and everything else were doing. Um, and it can come up with incredibly accurate but working um versions sound great but they don't break and they don't need to be resoldered every 10 minutes really really cool all right anything else right well okay um we've talked about all of these uh but the best thing is get out there and and try stuff now um there's so much stuff out there. New electronics is basically brilliant. It's it does what we wished it would do years ago, um, and for a fraction of the price. Yeah. But um, there is a load of other stuff out there which also does the job. So I look at the old stuff. Check out the vintage stuff. Check out stuff which hasn't been made for twenty years. Um, because there's a reason why some people are still using them. Um, and the other thing is, is get tweaking. Learn how to tweak. Because in my experience, all electronic kits are not set up particularly brilliantly when they come from the factory. They are set up to be okay, but you can make them much more realistic if you just tweak a little bit. So check out the gear and learn how to use it really, 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 really well. Uh, And that will immediately put you in in advance of 99% of other drummers. So that's what I would say here learn to tweak yeah so again that's where you're gonna you know be able to um reveal sort of those little hints and tips about how you can get the best out of what you've got so obviously if people are gonna get in touch you know and pose those questions and we can answer those uh, as as people are sort of going oh i've got this thing and it's not quite as good as i hoped it would be and xyz the other thing is i was going to say is the other thing that i'd really love to talk to you about in a in a future episode is what pads will and won't work with the major modules around yeah it's to be honest it's not that hard you will get results using any pad uh, there's just a couple of things to be aware of but we can talk about that just to get you know because i've phoned you loads about that over the last decade gone all right mate you know i've bought this 
I know I need an extra pad because this gig needs an extra Tom thing or whatever. Um, do, will this will will this type of pad work in this or do, you know? So what is why is it so simple? Um, basically, because all drum pads work off piezos, which are little pickups. If listen to the one about pads, and we'll, we'll, we'll we cover that. And piezos just talk to piezos, so you can plug a Yamaha pad into a Roland module, vice versa, Alesis, D drum, whatever else you need, and you will get the head uh, working fine. It's just the rims. Yamaha rims won't necessarily work with Roland. Roland won't work with Yamaha rims. You're talking about dual zone pad, then. So that's a pad with basically that that will have two places to generate sound so that kind of makes sense to us as drummers because when we play the main head of the drum the skin of the drum it sounds like that and when we play the the rim it sounds like a piece of metal yeah 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 it's the it's the rims which are the issue um because on some pads like uh yamaha's pads the the rims are actually switches rather than sensors and um if you want to get, as a massive generalization, if you want to get Yamaha, all three zones on a Yamaha pad to work with, uh, to work, you need to be using a, a Yamaha module. Um, but Roland use Piezo on the right. head and the rim on their more expensive pads. Uh, so you could use a splitter if you need to, or, or just depending on the module, you can just plug straight in and it, and it, and it'll work. It's a matter of just try it, but it's quite simple. Right. And then all of this other stuff, which we covered in pads, like the FSR and stuff like that. That's different. That, that'll plug into anything. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that, that works in a slightly different way because that's a MIDI output. Right. Okay, cool. So but so now we're going down the fact that people, if people are a little bit more interested in this, they need to listen to the pad episode, which we've done. Already. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely wicked. Um, all right. So in the future, um, we need to talk about those kind of combined modules that do deal with samples and modeling and stuff like that. So what I'm talking about specifically is something I've got behind me, which is my Roland SPDS X, in fact. Um, and, and I'm able to pretty much drag and drop sounds on, onto that by plugging it into a USB through my Mac. So it's really clear for me and that really works for my um, simple ways. So that's cool. So, Toby, sorry to interrupt. I should just point out, there's actually no modeling in an SPDSX. It's only play, sample playback. So it's like different. Is it all samples? It's all samples, but what they've done is they sampled the model sounds. Oh, shut up. That's ridiculous. Why would they do that? That's confusing me. Because it saves having a processor inside. Ah, there you go. Are there any sampling type pads that will have both? Uh, pads or modules? Modules. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, right. To yeah. my knowledge, the original DT Extreme one, which is a very plain looking grey box, uh, which had sampled sounds, but they modelled the snare buzz. Uh, and the snare rattle on the on the snares, and then coming up to date, you've also got the the new Roland TD50, which has got modelling for most of the drum sounds, but you can also put uh, uh, samples in as well. So the TD50 is a bit like a TD30 with a uh, a TM2 built into it, if you know the TM2. So that's another one. And then the last one that I can think of is the Korg Wave Drum, which uh, had model sounds in it uh, and also um, samples. So that's the that's the third one as far as I'm aware. There may well be others, but I'm not aware of them. Please tell me if you know of any others. Oh, we need to, I think, do a, also another conversation about octopads 
and sampling pad. So I just said SPDSX, uh, which is a roll on one. Obviously, the multi 12. 12, which is the Yamaha one. Yeah, and at least it's control yeah. pads loads of loads of those, which are actually, you know, for me, um, a really cool stepping stone between, you know, not kind of giving up your, you know, your love of playing real drums, which I don't think any of us want to do, but will give us access to some of those cool sounds, especially if we're just looking to get electronic sounds from our electronics. Absolutely. Very simple way. Um, which is my preferred thing um and then we've even got i've even got a tm2 now which is tiny little rolling thing with just a couple of pads that go in it so it's not a full kit but i'm able to load in pretty much what i want and just kind of strategically place a couple of small pads around my kit without having you know a massive box that does snare buzz and all sorts of other stuff that i just don't need because i'm only concerned in you know triggering a an 808 or a you know or a i don't know bolt of thunder or whatever it might be that i've put in there so that's that's something else to consider um but yeah the, the tm2 gotta be said is a is a fantastic bit of gear um very clever yeah very very clever very small very compact uh does many many things yeah yeah, yeah. so that's that's wicked cool i love i absolutely love it um thanks simon you've educated me once again in the ways all right, and uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you very much. See you next time, Tubby. Cheers, mate. Okay, cheers. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast, making your experience with electronic drums that much easier.